What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live for a few people in an experiment and on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, September the 5th. 2021, and today on the program, it is All Out Weekend. There is an AEW pay-per-view tonight as we record this. Uh, there is some interesting records found related to NXT UK. Uh, some interesting news stories coming out of Japan, about WWE's office in Japan. We have TV ratings, of course, to talk about. Maybe some quarter hours, some year-over-year comparisons. We'll look at the ticket sales for All Out and for other events for WWE and AEW. Uh, vaccines will be required to be at Arthur Ashe Stadium on September 22nd. Chris Jericho's cruise will also require everyone on the boat to be vaccinated. And uh, Kevin Dunn has made a stock sale. we got Google Web Search to look at. I did another dig into the Reddit census today, or the other day, which we'll talk about today on the program. All that and more. But first... Joining us to my immediate south, a ring announcer, a comedian, a independent wrestling historian, the foremost independent wrestling historian in all of the podcast world, Chris, Chris Gullo joins us to talk about the week's events in professional wrestling business. Welcome, Chris Gullo. Thanks for having me on this uh, Labor Day weekend. Uh, it's, it's nice to know I don't have to go to work tomorrow as we're recording this, so it's, uh, you know... It's I'm, I'm, we could, I'm we could stay up the all long night weekend. recording this. If we we could. To. That's right. Uh, it is all out pay-per-view weekend. Uh, looks almost certain that AEW is going to break its pay-per-view record with whatever the pay-per-view sales or the estimated projected pay-per-view sales, whatever information trickles out, maybe Monday or Tuesday. Uh, are you going to watch the pay-per-view tonight, Chris Gullo? Yes. Yes. What are your plans? Do you wish to disclose them? Uh, going over to a, a buddy's house, most likely, who I usually watch the AEW pay-per-views with, and uh, uh, have a couple uh, pumpkin beers and enjoy uh, the, the beginning of fall. And uh, I think it's probably going to be a good wrestling show tonight. I've been invited to not one, but two social situations in which the pay-per-view will be viewed, which is um, over-indexing compared to my normal social invitations. So uh, as I told someone earlier this week, uh, these sort of invites, much like Wrestling Observer uh, feedback polls, basically scientific evidence to suggest that business will be over-indexing for the, for the pay-per-view sales. Uh, so what we have here, if I, if I start, we are, we are broadcasting this live in a, in a very uh, short notice experimental stream. I've done all sorts of weird things today that I decided to do it's like as soon as I woke up like a couple hours ago I just decided on a whim that we would do this we're streaming live through YouTube uh, through a link that was put out uh, to patrons so I don't know how many people are actually watching but are you monitoring the chat Chris Gullo um, so uh, I should get into that YouTube link on there I was gonna go on the WrestleNomics Twitter which people left a lot of questions as well oh good yes I put, out, I put out that's what I was getting to I put out a call for questions on the Twitter, who knows what, what will transpire here today. Um, yeah, so this is what we're looking at right here. If people are watching on video, this is uh, the, the history for AEW's pay-per-view sales. As far as I believe, estimate, whatnot. AEW is not a publicly traded company like WWE is. So they're not uh, in, in the business of publicly disclosing and confirming what their numbers are. But uh, this is what I believe. And yes, this is everything worldwide, domestic, digital, traditional, 
even light buys, yes, this is basically what I believe uh, are the are the pay-per-view sales numbers for the entire history of AEW. And we've also got on, on this bar bar chart column chart. It's really a column chart because it's vertical, right? Bar chart would be horizontal. Anyway, even got the all-in number here. Uh, but the so what we're looking at in recent history is 115,000 for double or nothing in May. Uh, that is, by my estimation, the second most bought pay-per-view in AW's history. Uh, the most bought is the Revolution pay-per-view in March, 135,000 buys. That is the record. That is the record, 135,000 buys. That this pay-per-view all out, I would be shocked if it doesn't shatter that record. Uh, the question is, how much does the all-out pay-per-view beat the record by? Any 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 thoughts there, Chris Gall? Um, I'm going 150,000, and I think I'm being conservative with that. I think you're being very but, conservative. Uh, yeah, but uh, I'm thinking at least 150. I mean, I think it breaks the record, and I would say at least 150. Usually I overestimate the number here, so I'm going to try a different strategy and underestimate a little bit. <laughs> so if we break out the calculator here, and I guess I'm going to have to break my uh, my presentation. Oh, Paul Levesque is trying to jump in already. But if we look at – so <laughs> somebody was asking me earlier this week about uh, – What's a good estimate for pay-per-view buys? And, and you know, I was so low on the, the AW Rampage ratings. Um, so if we look to the – and I'm not going to do this, like, assumed base of what I think the Rampage rating w- w- would be, which is, like, I don't know, in the 600,000s or something like that. So let's just look at what the debut did in total viewership and compare that to what the Punk debut did. So what we've got is – 740,000 viewers. Yeah, I'm going to use total viewership. And we're going to put the calculator on the screen here. And I'm going to take seven, uh, I'm going to take 1,129,000 viewers for the, the punk debut. And I'm going to divide that by the rampage debut. And what we get there is a, a delta, if you will, of, of basically 1.5x. Um, so maybe that's, maybe that's a good, a good Delta to use to, to predict the, uh, the rating. Um, let's, let's say it is. And then what will we get? And what, 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 what base should we jump from? Should we jump from the 135,000 of revolution or should we jump from the 115,000 of double or nothing? Let's, let's take a median of those two. What's, what's the, what's the median of 135 and 115? Anybody know that off the top of their head? I mean, wouldn't it be 125? Are you, are you right about that? 135 divided by 2 is 125. Very good. Very good. You're a math genius, Chris Gall. Thank you. So if we just <laughs> multiply that by 1.5, 1. 1. what do we get there? 187. 187, or if we round up, 188. Um, and I would tend to be even a little bit more bullish than uh, when it comes to spending of a, of a pay-per-view. I don't know how to explain this or put, put this into words. I think there are more people who are or willing to, I don't know. There are more people willing to spend to buy a pay per view, uh, and, and it, I don't know. I something about like the, the price inelasticity of pay per view that we've seen, sort of demonstrated by by the network, where you had basically it didn't matter what the price was, whether it was ten dollars, whether it was sixty dollars, you you ended up with not a huge difference in the number of customers that you had. Um, so I don't know. I I think the price of $50 is not going to be a deterrent to people watching this who want to watch it, I guess. Um, so if anything, I would be more bullish for a comparison of pay-per-view than I would for TV ratings. I'm not sure if that all makes sense, but anyway, I think, I think 200,000 is, is a good over under here. You're going well under 200,000 though. Chris Gall, huh? I'm going at least 150, not saying they can, can't do 200,000, but Usually, like I said, I overestimated the show, like overestimated the rating they would have for the Nick Gage match and everything. So I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna conservatively say at least they'll break their record. I don't know. I'll go with this 187. That seems about right. Uh we'll see. We will see what, what we can learn in the days to come about uh what the sales are. Uh if we will go back to our our PowerPoint slides. <sighs> Yeah, I, I guess I'm, I'm hesitant to say anything more about the uh, the pay-per-view number, which by the time some people listen to this may may just as well be out uh, and may be reported by somebody, either either the Observer or maybe even WrestleNomics. So, moving on. I didn't really brief you about what we're going to talk about today, but uh, here's here's Paul Levesque standing in front of a map. Do you know what this, the significance of this is, Chris Gall? 
this was the NXT expansion. You know, it was going to be a global brand in countries like India and in, in, in continents like South America. And I remember this whole spiel. This Europe, is from starting in NXT UK. This is from the Business Partner Summit. I think in 2018, Triple H came out on the stage. This is WrestleMania weekend. This is a moment I've reflected on many times, probably, on this program, where Paul Levesque, Executive Vice President of Talent Live Events, and what is he? Talent oh, and Creative, right. Uh, he came out on the stage and talked about global localization. And ever since the territories died, they've had no place to develop talent. We have to develop it on our own. The Indies don't exist, you see. And uh, and they, they talked about putting NXTs in performance centers on uh, in, in all these different markets around the world. Uh, obviously, they did did that with the, the UK Performance Center and NXT UK. Yep. We got a report here uh, this past week, I think, from Brian Alvarez about how Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon will, be, will have some sort of increased involvement in the production of NXT, whatever that means. There seems to be disagreements about what that really means, to what extent they're really going to be involved, and maybe Triple H and Shawn Michaels still will be involved with uh, with the production of NXT. Who knows? But a uh, friend of the program, Benno, Benson Richardson E on Twitter, came across uh, this public record today from the UK government uh, showing that NXT UK Holdings Limited has a disillusion date of July 9th, 2021. Uh, and a strike-off date, whatever that means, of August 25th. So I don't want to pretend that I know what all this means, but this this doesn't seem to be very uh, encouraging for the future of NXT UK. And you can see with um, new management, Nick Khan! It's Nick Khan, isn't it? Nick Khan came in and said, no more NXT UK. Is that it? I don't know. But it, it, it could be the case that NXT WWE is, is reconfiguring what its developmental vision really is. And maybe that doesn't include the expense. I'm sure this is expensive to operate this NXT UK uh, in the United Kingdom, to have this performance center, to put on these tapings. And there's probably a thought of why continue to, to, to spend on this when we don't really care about developing uh, people necessarily from the Indies. We care about developing some of the, the greatest talent around the world and just take them to our performance center. Um. We talk about all this change, uh, you know, the budget cuts, the NXT direction now like this, NXT UK could be closing. I don't think it's just has something to do with Nick Khan and all that, but I don't think we talk enough about the Peacock deal and the aspect of they were creating this niche programming for the network to really attract and, and bring viewers in. And I think like now that they're getting this set money every year from Peacock, they can just kind of put it on autopilot and go, Hey, just any classic footage. And they don't really have to produce really new live exclusive in ring stuff anymore. I mean, they would, they would have their internal analytics about how many, how many people are really watching the NXT UK program. I, I can't, I don't hear anybody ever talk about it. In, in our disproportionate, you know, wrestling community circles or on, on Twitter, hardly ever. Um, obviously, they put I, ICW and Progress, Progress, as they say in the UK, on there. I can imagine the, the viewership for that is fairly low. Um, Peacock is just in the US. Um, it's guaranteed money, definitely. But it's just in the US now. There's the UK deal, uh, the, what's happening in the UK is it's still direct to consumer. And I'm, I'm always getting people talking to me about um, whether or not they're going to make some sort of Peacock-like deal in the UK uh, as Peacock is rolled out in the UK. Uh, that hasn't happened yet, but uh, but yeah, but maybe that will happen in the future, and that just means more. So what you're getting to is more guaranteed money for uh, for WWE, sort of regardless of what niches they try to dig into. Um, but yeah, I, I just can see how this financially doesn't make a lot of sense, and if. I mean, what's NXT loaded with? It's, it's loaded with former independent wrestlers. How many people in, in NXT UK, without digging into it, I don't know, are, are even you know non-independent wrestlers that that are the type uh, that are that are tall and young, like like Vince likes them. You know, probably not many. No, so, and then, I'm thinking of the roster, and I can't think of anybody that would right. fit that. And, and let's be honest, a, a large motivation. As, as much as they would probably say otherwise publicly, a large motivation of even starting NXT UK was to to scoop the the spot away, the opportunity away from uh, World of Sport that was that was starting up in the UK. They had a TV deal with I, ITV, um, so WWE did not want another wrestling player to emerge and to start doing good business in in their 
you know, number two or number three market. Uh, so we had to start NXT UK. And now, now we've got, th- th- this was a few years ago, right? And now we've got different management here and Vince seems to be paying more attention to talent development and has gotten frustrated enough with the kind of talent that he's been served from the NXT world. And, uh, it doesn't make as much sense now that, uh, the right people are, are paying attention and who have a different vision for pro wrestling. Um, and W Japan office shut down. Uh, this is, this is what we're seeing on the screen here is a, is a automatically translated, uh, news clipping, um, maybe from Nikon sports. Um, the, so apparently W had, had an office in Japan that has been shut down and a uh, hundred employees reportedly have been laid off. And we never found that, out. Uh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm just saying that is interesting because I didn't even know really they had a full fledged Japanese office. Like I'm sure obviously they have local promoters for when they run their live tours, but, and I know we've heard the rumblings of NXT Japan, but I had no idea they had a hundred plus employee like office yeah. there. Yeah. That, that, that sounds like unbelievably high, right? Uh, there, there were some rumors uh, earlier that W was looking at acquiring one of the Japanese companies, uh, just before the pandemic. Um, that obviously didn't happen. And again, if you're not really doing this global localization anymore, what sense does it make maybe to have some of the investments that they had in Japan? Um, so there's that. Um, anything else to add to that? Would you like to talk about? Uh, no, just, you know, I mean, obviously I think this, you know, we see NXT UK could be going away. We now know NXT Japan's not going to be a thing and NXT Canada never really even got off the ground. So it, it, it looks like it's, that whole era of just the best international wrestlers is it looks like it's coming to an end. Yeah. Remember when they did uh, all those, those tryouts in uh, Ontario? Yeah. Yeah. And, and with the promise that they were looking at an NXT Canada, what, what was, what were the rumors around that? that was like Santino was going to be involved in that maybe. Yes. Santino was going to be involved in that and it was going to be in Toronto. And, uh, you know, because then they would have like such a big market too to have like live fans for TV tapings and everything. Right. Because we're we're very close to the Southern Ontario indie scene, and it's it's just a highly populated area in general, and it's highly populated with with wrestlers. Many many of them very good wrestlers. Um, yeah. But Santino has his battle arts school, and uh, and, and there's a connection there too, where uh, Hornet Daryl Sharma, who's a mm-hmm. one, one of the main referees at least in in uh in NXT, he, he, uh, was very much associated with the battle arts school before he, uh, started working with WWE. All right. All right. We can move on to the Gullo report, all your latest on the ratings here. And, uh, we have a, uh, a, a number here, um, a preliminary number mm-hmm. for the, uh, f- Friday, September 3rd, SmackDown 2.27 million. With a 0. 0.61 to 18 to 49, a small increase from the week before, which did 2.25 and 0. 0.59. Um, thoughts on that? I mean, it, it's it's pretty solid for them lately. Yeah, I've, I've simplified the goal report for you here. Have you noticed? I like this, yeah, yes. <laughs> very much. So. Yes, it's not as busy as it once was. Uh, <laughs> yes. I have, I, I have rounded things to the nearest 10,000, right? And we've got, now we're, now we're, we've surrendered now in the, uh, in in the in the phase two Shoba's daily era, we're just going to talk about demo ratings here. Uh, not going to try to talk about eighteen forty nine viewers. Um, so New Orleans was preempted. The New Orleans market was preempted because of extreme weather. I'm guessing related to uh, the hurricane slash tropical storm. Um, so that market appears to have been taken out. But that's a you know it's a small portion of the total population. Um, but it looks possible this this rating did maybe even better. Than, than last week, which was coming off of SummerSlam and the returns of Becky Lynch, and even though he didn't appear, Brock Lesnar. Um, this could be a higher rating than last week, which would be really impressive. Um, again, we'll see what happens when the the final rating comes out. Um, not on Monday because of Labor Day, but on Tuesday, the final rating will come out. Uh, so, you know, all, all of these people who are saying that ratings would not, would not sustain, I don't know what they were thinking uh, earlier uh, in, in the summer. But uh, W ratings have been are, are doing really well, um, and AW ratings are doing really well, which we'll get to. Um, which you can see, I guess, why why uh, places like Benzinga have come out with these articles, you know, pondering: Are we on the on the brink of another boom period? 
but uh, it's it's impressive that they they appear to be uh, holding on to the rating that they had last week. Uh, moving on to the their competitor on Friday night, but this is from the Friday August twenty seventh rating for AEW Rampage seven hundred twenty two thousand with the point three four and eighteen to forty nine. Obviously, a big step down from the CM Punk debut, which did one point one three million and point five three in the eighteen to forty nine. Right, but this is still so. This is down slightly from the debut. So this is episode three that we're talking about here, not last night, not not Friday's episode. So this was down slightly from the debut in total viewership, but up slightly in eighteen to forty nine. So uh, AEW. It was probably. the first taped. Uh, Correct. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was the first uh, taped rampage. Yeah, and and number one in the demo on cable among cable originals. All right, uh, moving on to Raw from August thirtieth, one point nine one million with a point five five and eighteen to forty nine. That is down from uh, Monday, August twenty third, which did uh, you know two point oh seven million and point six four and eighteen to forty nine. So, uh, is this the beginning of the? of the drop. And then we are, you know, they're actually, this Monday will be college football on Monday night. And That's then right. NFL starts a week after. Yeah. I was looking at that. It's, um, Mississippi state versus somebody, do you know, it's on ESPN. I forgot about that, that there's this, you know, as we wait for Monday night football to arrive, actually there's, there's college football a week before that. I think that's, that's the normal schedule. Um, but if we look to, uh, we jump ahead here if we look to this year over year comparison graph uh raw this green line and actually as i as i click around here i can actually use a laser pointer look at this oh wow can you see this <laughs> look at this laser pointer uh people on people on youtube I, are, are just uh, amazed by this laser pointer right now um but you can see this this green line which is 2021 this is this year uh floating above the light blue line of 2020 just showing you how you know uh, despite all TV being down and if all other things were equal and that's the nature of MVPD subs being down year over year, you would think that TV programs would be in a position to do worse viewership slightly than they did the year before. But WWE, with its return to touring, which is right here, has floated in total viewership, has floated just above, uh, maybe tied right here in the most recent episode, but, but doing at least as well and, and usually better than what they were doing the year before in the same week. So, uh, and if we just look to SmackDown too, real quick, uh, SmackDown mostly above last year's numbers too, even, even above, uh, some 2019 numbers where actually we're not, not a good comparison, right? Because in 2019, because this is the first episode on Fox, which is astronomically high with its 3.888 million viewers. But, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be, I'm sure it'll be doing under what, what it did in the first months of Fox, but, uh, but, but anyway, doing better than it was doing last year in, uh, in, uh, in the PC era coming up on the year of year comparisons for, uh, the Thunderdome, but we can go back to the Gullah report and we have a couple more Louisville versus Ole Miss. That's the game. Ole Miss. Yes. Are, are those big teams? Yes. Is that a big game? Is that going to do a big, race? yeah. I think it will do well. Neither are top 25 ranked right now, but they're both historic programs as far as having uh, some pretty prestige and being in big bowl games and everything. So I think people are just, just happy that football's back. And I think it will do a really good rating. And, you know, I always, people, they see a holiday edition of a wrestling show and they usually don't think that it's going to be that great, but so. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, usually what happens, you're right, is that on when there's a holiday, I think it just messes up people's routines because many people are off from work and you sort of forget that, oh yeah, it's a, it's a weekday. And what often happens is even on these sort of federal holidays where nobody does anything special, like on Columbus Day slash Indigenous Peoples Day, people just sort of forget that, uh, you know, that, that there's a, a raw tonight. So I would expect a lower than normal number, not just because of, of college football, but also because of college football and because of the holiday. Um, yeah, I, I did see, I think it's Sports Media Watch, Paulson, who uh, does ratings predictions. He predicted something like 4 million viewers for the college football game, which is, you know, basically double what, what Raw does. So you can imagine how it, it might have a, a an impact, if you will, on Raw. Uh, we're going to move on to NXT, which did 717,000 uh, viewers with 0.17 in 1849. Week comparison, 690,000 with 
0.16. So slightly uh, up from uh, the week before. Um, I'm curious when they have the new set and really the new look, I'm curious to see how the ratings are going to do there. I mean, I'm sure it'll be general interest in the first few weeks, but I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what this new set and all this new look and new landscape is going to do for these ratings. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a good rating for NXT still to doing uh did a little bit better than it did last week, but it's still down year over year, even though it's not going against AEW is the headline there. Uh, speaking of AEW, AEW Dynamite, uh, Wednesday, September 1st, 1.05 million with a 0.338 and 18 to 49 compared to the week before 1.17 million with 0.48. So down from the week before, but still over a million. Are they going to live in this area for a while, Brandon? Yeah, I don't know. We, we'll see what happens next week. They'll be coming off a pay per view, and I don't know that there's been a well established trend. There's only been a, something like I don't know how much, eight pay per views or something like that up to now, especially in the Dynamite era. Um, not as many. Will the pay per view have an effect? I guess it'll depend on what angles come out of, or maybe debuts come out of Dynamite. Um, there'll be no Rampage beforehand, obviously, right? To get the the first appearance of does Daniel Bryan or excuse me Brian Danielson. Uh, come out uh, and and uh, make an appearance here. Um, if he does, I think that helps what the dynamite rating is. Um, this is an okay rating. I, I I did say on the live stream Thursday, this is a good rating. They ranked number one overall. Uh, they think well, not overall, but they ranked number one in the key demo on cable among cable originals uh, for Wednesday. Um, total viewership down a bit, uh, and key demo way down, twenty two percent down. But uh, among all other things on TV, still ranking number one. So it's a decent rating. And yeah, maybe this is where they live uh, above 1 million. I'm sure people will freak out uh, when they go under a million if they do. Uh, but there, <laughs> there's that. All right. Uh, moving on to Impact Wrestling, uh, 126,000 with a point oh four and 18 to 49. Uh, up from that uh, rough 100,000.03 rating and 18 to 49 from the week before. So uh, a slight increase for Impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is better than the normal number for impact. Um, the demo looks better, but the, the sample is so small. Um, but this is better than what impact has been doing lately. And uh, heels. I uh, want to talk about that real quick, uh, which actually featured in. CM Punk, which featured CM Punk is Ricky rabies uh, did 94,000 of viewers uh, this week. That's uh, down from the 103,000 for the week before. But the intriguing thing is, is that, in the 18 to 49 uh, demographic, it did 34,000 up from both previous episodes, including the, de- the debut. So they good 18 to 49 performance for them for this past week on heels. Mm-hmm. But, but the, the total viewership was down, right? Yeah. Yes. Proving CM Punk is not a draw is what people, people are sources are telling me. CM Punk is not a draw. <laughs> anyway. Yes. Uh, it, who knows what, what these heels numbers mean? There, it's, it's, um, we're looking at the linear TV viewership and tons of people are watching on streaming. We're talking about a scripted program, not something that's necessarily uh, important to watch live. Um, just a, a quick look at um, the, uh, the Rampage quarter hours. Uh, viewership went down as the show went on. Uh, you had the, uh, the punk segment here, which is where 18 and 49 peaked. And then, then it declined from there. Um, what was really interesting from the quarter hours for Dynamite, though, it looks very consistent. Total viewership does, and eighteen to forty-nine looks pretty consistent too. Peaking for the, the final segment with the cage lowers and uh, the elite are beating down Lucha Brothers and Jurassic uh, Express. But if you look at the eighteen to forty-nine among uh, men and women, this show grew with men as the show went on, but it but it fell with women as the show went on. So that's an interesting trend. Um, I don't know why. I don't have a, a story to tell you about why that would have happened, but that's very interesting that that happened. It's sort of deceptive that that the viewership was so consistent when actually you had one demo growing and the other demo declining. All right. Um, do you want to move to live events? Sure. I'm not sure if you hit the SmackDown trends. Yeah. Okay. So we'll just uh, live events. Uh, we'll start with past live events here uh, for WWE and AEW. So the two uh, Chicago shows, Dynamite and Rampage, according to WrestleTix estimates, not selling out. A uh, f- few hundred tickets were available. You could have gone to Dynamite 
or Rampage at the Now Arena. Um, and uh, Jacksonville SmackDown did uh, just under 7,000. So they've been doing a number of shows here, well under 10,000, uh, WWE has, uh, after having a, f- a few shows back here in, uh, in early August where they did do over, over 10,000. So Chicago on August 2nd for Raw did well over 12,000. Uh, a house show in Detroit to 10,000 uh, on August 1st. So we're getting into, I guess, smaller markets here. Of course, uh, Raw, Oklahoma, under 5,000. That's a small market. Um, not a ton of tickets available, at least relative to what they put out. Um, but uh, to go back to AEW, the Dynamite doing under 6,000. Uh, the Rampage doing just over 6,000. So very similar, similarly sized crowds. Of course, the pay-per-view tonight uh, is sold out and i think they have about ten thousand. yes if we go to this slide uh according to wrestle ticks the all out in uh in chicago over ten thousand tickets distributed nothing available and we're looking at uh newark uh on september 15th where where is where's dynamite this coming wednesday do you know and why don't i have it on my my chart here i'm not sure uh, but uh newark I, know, I, I will find it for you though go ahead okay and uh Newark, well over 11,000 distributed. It'll be one of uh, AEW's biggest events, most attended events ever. Uh, and then we've got Arthur Ashe Stadium the following week, which which we'll talk about in a second. Vaccinations will be required, but uh, a lot of tickets are out for it. Um, it was pointed out to me. Cincinnati. Since, oh, that's right. It's Cincinnati. And I know uh, Russell yeah. Dix has been working hard to get it to get an estimate. It's not 8,000 as, as uh, others have reported, but it's a little bit lower than that. Um, but uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium, if it, uh, we'll talk about it in a second when the, when the vaccine stuff comes up. Um, Madison Square Garden coming up for SmackDown, uh, doing pretty well here. Over ten thousand tickets out. Uh, vaccines required for that event as well. Um, moving on. Yeah, uh, moving on to vaccination, uh, including AEW. Uh, on September 22nd, Dynamite, Dynamite Grand Slam, uh, you have to be vaccinated to enter. And uh, uh, all ticket holders are advised to bring one of the following. And then basically, it's either your vaccination card from the CDC or New York State or New York City. Or uh, New York City has their own app, I guess, COVID safe. And But if you're in New York State, you have the Excelsior Pass or app, too. So basically, you have to show either uh, your card or an app. But the card says a photo or a photocopy of this is also acceptable. So if you have a camera photo, it looks like that would work, I guess. Yeah. I wonder how this is going to affect attendance. Um, I don't think it's going to greatly... I mean, the t- tickets that are sold are sold. Um, there is a note at the bottom of this release saying, no, the Ticketmaster will provide refunds to fans who refuse to show proof of vaccination or, or uh, are unvaccinated. Um so it'll be interesting to see how, how this goes this is, and to see whether AEW decides, as many have speculated, maybe Brian Danielson would debut on this September 22nd show, or maybe he de- debuts early, as in tonight. Um, but uh, our friend Corey pointed out to me that if you assume, let's see here, and if I, I guess I, I would totally break, I guess we're having issues with the stream here that is totally broken, but, um, or it's, at least it's frozen. Um if the uh, if, if I pull out my uh, WrestleTix spreadsheet and uh, take a look at what's the uh, what are the number of tickets distributed? Um, let's see here. September twenty second, Dynamite Flushing tickets out seventeen thousand six hundred five. Um, I'm sure this stream has become very choppy, but uh, let's see seventeen thousand six hundred five. If you figure the average ticket prices. $55, let's say, then we're coming close to a million dollars in, uh, in live event revenue, um, which according to Corey would be the most, uh, which would be the highest non WWE gate in, in North America since I think it's like a, a Georgia dome. Maybe it's the, the January 4th, 99 show. So this would be basically, this would be the highest. It's probably going to be the, the biggest gate for a non WWE wrestling show, uh, in decades. Uh, that's what that's been like. Um, a lot of uh, I'm, I'm really beating up my computer here. Still running on the laptop. Uh, I have to take because of Labor Day. People are closed on Monday, uh, so I have to take this this computer 
to a to a real PC shop and see why. I think the power supply is maybe even though everything is new, the power supply doesn't spin. There's a fan in it that doesn't spin. The PC is yet to respond. So hopefully, uh, this is just an experiment today, but hopefully eventually, within the next couple of weeks, I'll have a real powerful gaming-like PC to do a real stream with. But uh, Jericho Cruise. Are you going to the Jericho Cruise, Golo? Uh I am not. You're not? Well, as I said before, that's during my wedding anniversary, and uh, my well, my wife... No. we're Actually, we're going to... We got a cabin out like near Finger Lake, but it won't be in the Jericho Cruise. Yes. So go ahead, read... Rita, tell us about what's happening with the Jericho Cruise. All right. Well, uh, and this is uh, reported by Brandon Thurston. Uh, I wonder who that guy is. Uh, spokesperson for Six Man, uh, the subsidiary of the Norwegian Cruise Lines producing the cruise, confirmed that the COVID-19 vaccine requirement applies to talent on the Jericho Cruise as well as guests and crew. Um, and then uh, you actually posted the full comment uh, from the Six Man uh, but showing that, uh, you know, universal uh, COVID-19 testing prior to embarkation will help us provide a uniquely safe and a healthy environment. Each guest must submit proof they have completed the full cycle of required doses for the vaccine administered at least two weeks prior to their sale date. Uh, guests who are not old enough uh, to be vaccinated will not be allowed on these sailings. Yeah, which and is then, interesting. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Keep going. Um. No, just and then you just you know you you, you just follow up with the you know this summary of it. We can confirm that in compliance to the cruise lines that uh, everyone on board of the 2021 events in the Norwegian Gem, including all guests, will be vaccinated against COVID nineteen. Yeah, so I mean I, we we talked a little bit about this last week. Um, they do do have on their website on the the Jericho Cruise website uh, that everyone has to be tested for COVID and completed the full two-dose vaccine, or, or if you're, I guess if you're Johnson & Johnson's probably fine too, you can have one dose of that. Um, so it wasn't explicit, at least it seems implied, but it wasn't explicit that um, the talent would be required to be vaccinated. So I emailed um, Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings, which is partnering with Jericho Cruise to put this on, and uh, their subsidiary, which is called Sixth Man, got back to me. Um, I, I did explain to them why I was, uh, suspicious that maybe there wouldn't be, uh, talent vaccinated, but they assured me and, uh, gave me a comment that they did not, they didn't ask for off the record or anything that, that we, you know, that they confirmed that it's going to apply to everybody, including talent. So, um, so there you go. Um, even though, you know, Jericho has, uh, donated to, to the Trump presidential efforts and, uh, his wife. (laughs) publicly on, on her Twitter account is, is, uh, often sharing, uh, you know, sort of vaccine skepticism, uh, vaccines are required for everybody on this, on this cruise. I would imagine if it wasn't just wrestling, he would get vaccinated because of Fozzie. I know a lot of promoters like management companies and like venues, like want their performers to be vaccinated. I've had some comedy inquiries that they ask, are you vaccinated? Do they, do they make you show proof? No, but they take your word for it. But you, they ask you, like, you. I know guys that have not got vaccinated that have lost on them comedy bookings because of it. Really? And they're, and they're honest. And they just say, no, I'm not. When they could just yeah. die. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I've only had to show my proof once for a wrestling show, too. So, Who, who made you, do you feel comfortable saying which promotion made you show proof? Yeah, yes. Well, it was not so much a promotion, but it was the venue. The, venue. the promotion was NFW, but it was Danny Cage from the Monster Factory. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm wrestling uh, next Saturday. First match since my eye's been zapped. And uh, I, I mean, I doubt they're going to make me show proof of vaccination. Obviously, ESW didn't make me show proof, but yeah. Um, Kevin Dunn, making more money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Dunn here, uh, he sold. I would like to see you you try to decipher this this form 4A from from the Securities and Exchanges Commission. (laughs) Go ahead, tell tell, Uh, tell, tell, tell us. I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna go right to your tweet after. (laughs) So Kevin Dunn on the screen, who is the executive producer's latest title is uh, the executive producer in chief of Global Television. He sold twenty three thousand five hundred 
WWE shares, uh, according to a Form 4 that was disclosed uh, by uh, WWE on their corporate website and through the, the SEC government website. Uh, so what this form is, is showing us is in the, in the red here. This, this D means disposed of, which means he sold them. Uh, 23,500 shares, and this is showing us the price that he sold them at, which is $52.35. And this is showing us the number of shares that he still holds, um, over 59,000. So go ahead and tell us how much is that? How much money did Kevin Dunn liquidate? That would be one dollars in WWE stock. So it's about 23,500 shares sold at 52 bucks and 35 cents. Yes. He still, though, holds 59,298 shares, which have a market value of uh, three, uh, 3.083 million uh, as yeah. the market closed, uh, which would have been on a third on Friday. Yeah, so this is very normal behavior for, for Kevin Dunn. Um, Kevin Dunn has made multiple sales in almost every year that we have records of. Um, I'm not sure what, what the, the rules have been over the years. If this is something that emerged in sort of the mid-2000s, early 2000s that uh, – publicly traded companies had to disclose uh, certain insider transactions like this among their, their major corporate officers. But uh, we've, we've got, you know, Form 4 is going back to, I think, 2003 and 2006 of Kevin Dunn making uh, stock sales. He gets awarded uh, stock every year, too. So it's not like he's just depleting from, from this balance of, of shares. Uh, he's always getting stock awards uh, each year as well. So, yeah, very normal uh, activity for Kevin Dunn. He's made multiple sales in almost every year over the last, let's say, 10 years. Uh, so not indicative, I think, of any 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 other more ominous uh, event. All right. And then uh, moving on to, you've been working very hard at this, the Google web search volume and Google Trends. Yes. The, the, the Python uh, script have served up another edition of Google Trends, where, of course, Dwayne Johnson is number one, the most searched for wrestling personality uh, in my uh, in my arbitrary judgment of who is a wrestling personality. Number one is The Rock. Number two is John Cena. Number three is Roman Reigns. But surging up to number four, surpassing, yes, Bad Bunny, is CM Punk. Uh, CM Punk, to put this in some perspective, The Rock uh, does a 1000 CM Punk and Roman Reigns do about a third of that. Uh, John Cena does about 60% of what the rock does in, this is in August, what we're talking about, uh, for the month of August. So on every third of the month, the previous month's data is now complete. And now we can look at the, the month that was, and, um, this is probably as high as an AEW, affiliated personality has ever ranked in this, uh, in this ranking. Um, <clears throat> so just below Roman Reigns to give you an idea of how far the reach is of, of W personalities. But obviously this is a big news story that CM Punk came to AEW in August. I'm sure this is going to be lower, uh, in September, but, uh, we'll see what the trends are from here. Um, number five is bad bunny. Number six is Brock Lesnar. Uh, Brock Lesnar, up over recent months because I guess because of his uh, return late in August. And uh, we got The Undertaker below that at number eight. We got Bill Goldberg, Triple H, Bray Wyatt. Yes, the unaffiliated Bray Wyatt. Ric Flair, I guess uh, higher than usual because of his uh, release from WWE. Dave Batista, I cho choose to include in here. Ronda Rousey Page. And yes, number 15, Mayor King. I, I think it was that photo too that helped Flair trend in August as well. What photo? It, there was a photo on a train. It wasn't him, but it looked like him going down on a woman in a train. It was on Twitter. You didn't see that? No, thank thank you for the update though. <laughs> no, it was all over Twitter. Okay. Uh in terms of total uh companies, searches related to companies. Uh, of course, WWE stands high above everybody else by multiples, but AEW, uh, I've got an eight-month picture sitting here in front of us, looking at August, where AEW does a 270, 270 to WWE's 937. So again, a huge gap for WWE, but this is the closest, at least in this eight-month eight period, that AEW has come to uh, WWE. So, see how that trend uh, 
so that's what, what is, what is 270? How many times does 270 go into 937? Any guesses? Mm. 3.4. So that's the smallest gap that I've seen. Uh, it's usually a, a gap of 5x. I think maybe that's the US. Maybe sometimes it's a 7x gap worldwide. We're talking worldwide here. Um, but I'm sure this is exceptional because of the interest around CM Punk. Um, but maybe AEW carries this into the following month uh, where maybe they debut Brian Danielson. But I think Brian, Brian Danielson is a, is a is a star that is less interesting to people. It's very interesting, but but not as interesting to people as CM Punk is. Could, especially because you have the story of CM Punk being absent from wrestling for seven years. Uh, but I think all that besides even, I think CM Punk was a bigger star and is a bigger star. Uh, but but Brian Danielson is a big star too. We look at the, the, the AEW-specific rankings where uh, you've got all former WWE people who rank highly here. CM Punk, Big Show, Jericho, Moxley, Mark Henry above Kenny Omega. We got the first non WWE, uh, former, non former WWE star, uh, Kenny Omega here. Um, but what we've seen here is you know, the Big Show dominating here, uh, just because the Big Show is just this pretty big name that just used to be with WWE for all those years. Um, and you, you get, a, get an idea of the name ID that these people have accumulated. Uh, from WWE over the years. But CM Punk surging way past any of them. Uh, he's at, in this standardized view, Google Trends doesn't give us absolute values, only gives us relative values. Um, but CM Punk doing a 1,000 value here, relative value in August, compare that to a quarter of that for Big Show in June, and a little bit more than a quarter of that in January, which is when I think he was unveiled, right? In January, does that make sense? Or maybe it was in February, because it's even higher in February. But uh, doing a 392 in February to, to CM Punk's 1000 in August. So you get an idea of like what the what the the web searches were. And I think web search, why are we even looking at this? I think web search is, is a good proxy for Mindshare, for asking how much are people thinking about something and... Uh, and when there's a big news event related to somebody, we see a big increase in web search. Um, and I think if you view it through the right caveats, I think this is a measure of star power and, and of name ID too. Um, so my takeaway from this is, is the CM Punk arrival is a bigger deal than than the Mark Henry arrival, the Big Show arrival. So, yeah, I mean, that that's that's what I think people would expect. And to look at New Japan quickly, uh, Kota Ibushi... Ranking number one. The, the top slot for this is not consistent like it is for the others. We have Kotobushi number one in this month uh, and Tanahashi at number two. Uh, so, yeah, there's that. Um, Shingo has been growing. We've got Sho rising up to number six with his heel turn uh, as he's joined the Bullet Club most recently. Uh, Kojima climbing in August, too, probably related to his appearance uh, at All Out. And then the Reddit census. Did you see this, Golo? Now, now that you are uh, seeing yes. all the patron posts, did, did, yeah, did, did I, you I, get what was happening here? I mean, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I get the breakdown, and I mean, it's, it's, it's really just shown that like WWE's two biggest fan bases are children and people over fifty years old. You could just see it with this. So, in the Reddit census, one of the questions that was asked of the respondents was, "What is your opinion of?" WB. This was also asked, what is your opinion of AEW and what is your opinion of New Japan? The options were strongly dislike, somewhat dislike, neither like nor dislike, somewhat like, and strongly like. Um, the, so I, I looked at this t over the weekend, uh, looking at differences in age to, to, the, to these questions, differences uh, in race, differences in gender, and differences in education. Um, I found no interesting differences in education, um, especially if I took out uh, people under the age of 18. So obviously you have to be of a certain age probably to, to, ha to be, have more than a, a high school diploma. Um, and uh, in gender, I found that it, there weren't strong differences. Um, in race, I found that there were among African-Americans or black people, there was a little bit more of approval for WWE and a little bit less of approval for AEW. Nonetheless, there wasn't uh, like a, a 50%. There wasn't a majority difference in any breakdown by gender or race or education that I found. Well, there is though. So I, I broke down the age groups into the sort of the traditional 
TV viewership groups of um, under 18. This this only went up to you. You couldn't take the survey, I guess, if you were under 13, or nobody nobody put their age as younger than 13 in the survey. So we've got age groups of 13 to 17, 18 to 34, the younger half of the key demo, 35 to 49, the older half of the key demo, and good old 50 plus. And what we find is uh, the majority dislikes WWE among people over the age of 18. Uh, but if you're under the age of 18, then the majority likes WWE. So so it's, it's, it's kids, at least among the Reddit census respondent sample, who like WWE. And everybody else dislikes it in a majority. Uh, so it just sort of uh, reinforces to me that, yes, the people who are, are uh, who who do not have, seem to have real names on Twitter who are defending WWE uh, often you know, militantly, perhaps those are children. <laughs> you, you, your, uh, your arguments that you're having on Twitter with people about WWE and AEW, you're arguing with literal children. Probably. All right. Um, and uh, just to clarify from my comment earlier about the vaccination, not 100% sure if it was required by the venue, but we had to require something else for information for a background check. So it was asked, should we show proof of vaccination? And the promoter, Cody, said, if you have that, send that to me as well. So not 100% sure it was recommended by Danny Cage, but you did a. I they, did submit it to that show. They made you do a background check. Yes. To make sure that you're not like a child predator or something. It, it was following a pretty bad scandal in, in New Jersey at that time. So I see. So it, it was important. I, I 100% agree with it. So that it, to get back. That sounds checks, expensive. You know, to, to run background yeah. check on every single one of your workers. Yeah. I, you know. Or did they just like Google everybody's name? And, anyway. <laughs> Maybe. <I don't> know. <laughs> um, do we have any questions? All right, so um, not really many on uh, YouTube, just uh, kind of talking about a little bit of a streaming issues we had there. But if we head over to Twitter, we did have a, quite a few questions leading in here. Let's pull it right back up for us. All right, so uh, first question here. Um, we will see here. We will actually start with our good friend, Lavi. Uh, Lavi, uh, what is the impact of uh, the... Uh, BR sports distribution and late fight distribution announcement on all out buy rate versus wide distribution previously. Was it that much wider before? Do you know? I like, I, I, I don't, it's, yeah. it's, it's on traditional pay-per-view. It was on BR live. Uh, I'm not sure what the story is behind. I, I, like, I understand that there was BR live that is being retired. The BR, the bleacher report app is where you're supposed to get the pay-per-view. And I, I was looking into this earlier this week, and I was told that it was never offered on Fight previously. And not, but this one, as Lavi mentions, it was a late edition that now is being distributed on Fight too. Um, maybe there was some, uh, maybe they got permission from from Turner or something to uh, to distribute it on Fight because of some sort of issues or confusion that maybe they're having with uh, with ble the Bleacher Report app. Um, but if anything, this seems to be wider distribution with the addition of fight right and i think there's historical evidence to show in the past where i think i remember in the, in the mid 2000s and granted it's a long time ago but i remember in the mid 2000s i think there was a dispute between wb and was it direct tv does this sound familiar golo uh where direct tv decided you know they couldn't come to agreement with wb so they stopped carrying w pay-per-views for a yeah. short time and it didn't seem to have a strong effect on, on W's pay-per-view buys. Um, and I think it's, it's sort of reflective of something I was talking about earlier about the price inelasticity of pay-per-view that if people want to watch it, they're willing to go through a fair amount of friction to watch it. And, and whether that's price or whether that's finding a different medium to purchase the pay-per-view, um, I think people will find a way. So I don't, Especially since it's being distributed on Fight as well, I don't think that this is going to have any negative effect. I don't think if uh, if the, if, so, if the the number is disappointing, I don't think there's a distribution excuse here. All right, our next question is from Megan Powers. Uh, 
do you know the revenue share uh, with the AEW and pro wrestling tees? Like, where would that show up on the balance sheet of AEW? Not a clue. And and we don't see like a because W or AEW is not a publicly traded company. We don't know how they're how they're doing their accounting. But if they're if they're like let's say like WWE and they have a consumer products division, obviously it would be in consumer products. It would be in you know some some sort of. Uh, Consumer products line or merchandising line. Um, I have no idea what the revenue share is like. Um, do we know what the revenue share is like for indie wrestlers? I don't have a pro wrestling tees shop. Have you ever heard Golo? Um, I I don't know what the what the number is. I mean, I could probably ask a a, a buddy of mine. Uh, look, I can ask people right now actually, but uh, not something in my head. Is, uh, is the I requirement is the requirement still like you have to have ten thousand followers or something? Uh, now it's different. That now that's for non wrestlers. So for wrestlers, you're fine. But for non-wrestlers, you still have to, I believe, show that. But I think if you're a wrestler, that you can have a store. Even if you're like a random indie wrestler that like just yes. started wrestling yesterday? You can have a I store think no matter so. what. Really? I'm I'm like pretty sure. Like, yeah. God. What but did I get? If a non-wrestler, like what did I promotion get podcast. For, then? <laughs> if you're working hard for it, you, you want to be followed. Yeah. Now, I don't know. I... I you would think if anybody had the leverage to get a more favorable split, uh, it would be AEW, right? Or New Japan, a uh, major company like that. But I don't know. All right. Back to the Twitter uh, questions here. Uh, this is from JDM, a Twitter handle at Option Zero. With the revision of WWE's developmental approach, um, no more scooping up indie wrestlers, isn't this going to be the low point in free agents leverage? WWE out of market, New Japan pro wrestling handcuffed, only AEW, Impact, and Ring of Honor is real money players. I think this is still better than the pre-2014 time. Um, where W wasn't as interested in, in indie wrestlers. Uh, TNA wasn't that much more interested. Um, Ring of Honor maybe was more interested, but, but we're including Ring of Honor in this question, right? Um, I, I think this is still better than, than the 2014 period. And um, I don't know. I, I, and I, you can look at the comments that Paul Levesque has made, where he's always trying to, you know, as we talked about last week, uh, you know, trying to say that no, no, nothing, nothing's changed. You know, it's funny. He's always talking about how it's funny when when people uh, overanalyze this and that, and it's not no, nothing's really happening here. Um, I don't think that WWE is necessarily opposed to signing indie wrestlers. They just have to be probably well under thirty and tall. <laughs> so, um, if if you meet certain conditions, I think they're still interested in, in indie wrestlers to an extent. Now. It's, but that does rule out a lot of the people who they've signed over the last several years and, and have put to some use. Um, the second generation people they just signed were indie wrestlers, but I think it's the second generation thing. Bull Buchanan's kid and Rikishi's kid were both indie wrestlers. Yeah. As I said, it, it, the performance center is becoming a, a day camp for, uh, you know, it's the, sort of this day camp slash cast system of, uh, of, uh, of, you know, sort of pro athlete, collegiate athlete washouts and, uh, you know, kids of people who Vince McMahon employed in a, in a prior era. All right. Uh, next question. Oh, by the way, I have the pro wrestling tease thing. It's 35%. Okay. So $20 to the, to the talent wrestler. Yeah. So on a $20 shirt, seven bucks, but during those like big holiday sales, they do. It's about five bucks. Okay. Do we think, I, I don't know. I mean, that doesn't change my my answer, I guess. But uh, but yeah, possibly a a major company could leverage a better deal. Um, but that's interesting to know. So it's it's that low, huh? Okay. But that's also like somebody just like an indie wrestler. I'm sure it's different deals with like some of the bigger names they have. Um, I would imagine. And that's that's purely so. If I sell, like you said, if I sell a, a, a shirt for twenty dollars, I get thirty five. You said. Or thirty. You get seven bucks. Yeah, thirty-five. You get seven dollars. I guess that's not. So I'm not bearing any of the cost for the for the nope. shirt production. You're not printing them out. You're not doing any of that. Yeah, I guess that's not bad then. Uh, next question we have is, uh, and I'm sorry if I mispronounce this, from Nashit Gatam. Uh, do you think GCW can be this era's ECW, and they could put three thousand plus people in buildings for big shows? 
I'm reading the replies to that, which we will not read. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not ready. Yeah. I'm not reading the reply. So, so someone uh, critiquing, criticizing a GCW. I don't know. Uh, I think there's a. I think GCW has uh, usurped the place in wrestling culture that CCW used to have. Um, I think there's a place for 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 GCW. Um, especially if they're able to do interesting things like that they've been doing with Nick Gage and Matt Cardona and apparently Moxley won their title last night. Uh, yeah, I think there's a place for them to be about as big as they are now. I don't know that there's a place for them to be way bigger than they are now. Um, yeah. I don't know. Does that answer the show or answer the question? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you think they can do 3000 plus? I think that's what he's, are they, are they really, not doing really wants to know. I mean, for a WrestleMania weekend show when there's not, uh, COVID, uh, being a real problem anymore if we ever arrive at, a, at such a day. Um, I think they could definitely put 3,000 in, in a, on a WrestleMania weekend show and maybe for select other uh, events. All right. And this uh, final question here is from uh, Emily Heath. Uh, how do DVR viewers figure into ratings? Uh, I don't follow the DVR stuff. I know the Observer does. Um, I've... You know, you could look into the Observer, right? I, honestly, I just never follow DVR. Why don't I follow DVR? Um, it's less valuable viewership, obviously. Um, I don't know really where to find that data. I, I think there is some of that on Spoiler TV. There is at least for the SmackDown numbers. Um, it's less valuable viewership because you're less likely to watch the commercials. Although Sling did force me to watch all the commercials as I was collecting labels for the quarter hours this past week. So you got certain tactics like that being administered by some of the distributors. Um, and I think it speaks to a lack of urgency when, when people are watching it on DVR versus watching it live. It speaks to a lack of urgency uh, on the part of the viewers who were inspired uh, to, to, to or weren't inspired to watch it live. Um, I know that's not the case for everybody. Some people have to work and do other things with their lives during the times that wrestling shows are airing. Uh, but yeah, I, I think looking at everybody through live same day is a sufficient way to look at the picture of what's what's popular and what the trends are. Um, yeah. All right. And that's all we have uh, for questions, but we want to thank everybody that joined us in the YouTube. Oh, I think we have a, we have a question now on YouTube. Yes. Um, this is from Lulig. And uh, are there large enough samples to do the Google search or Reddit search breakdowns for the UK? Always felt like that was a smarter market. So interesting to see if that holds true in that data. I mean, you, you can break down Google Trends by any um, any geography, and I'm sure the UK is big enough geography to do it. Um, I, I mean, I, I have looked, and as far as I could ever tell, the UK um, trends largely uh, correlated to, to, to worldwide and US trends. Um, but you can definitely look at it through through Google Trends by separating into the United Kingdom geography. Um, the Reddit for the Reddit responses, um, I think the UK is the number two region for responses. Um, but I haven't taken the time just yet to to see if there's any difference uh, among geographies. But it'd be a good, it's a good question, and it's uh, something I could look into. And and actually, um, by the way, the Google Sheet for this Reddit census and for all the past Reddit censuses, census I, I don't know. Uh, those are all available publicly. Anybody can click on that Google sheet and download the, uh, the data and, and look into it. But it's, it's a good question. It's uh, something I could look into to see if there's any interesting differences, uh, in the, in the trends for, for say the U S versus the UK or Canada or other, or other markets where there's big samples. But I think there, you know, it's a, the Reddit census had over 9,000 responses, um, over over half of them were from the U.S., so I'm I'm sure there's hundreds from the U.K. So it's uh it would be a somewhat small sample, but something that you could look into. All right, yeah, and uh, that will wrap it up uh, for our questions, Brandon. Okay. Plugs. All right, yeah, I'll uh, I'll start my plugs at Chris Gello on Instagram, Twitter, and uh, Facebook. There, uh, if you. Uh, Guys, uh, want to follow my other podcast, RTI Pod, Independent Wrestling History Podcast, uh, on that social media, RTI Pod on uh, Twitter, and then Rediscovering Indies on Instagram and Facebook. We posted this day in independent wrestling history every day. Uh, but as well, check out our latest episode on all the business headlines of the NWA, as well as the NWA title from 2007 to 2017. This will be a multi-parter. This is just part one. 
So check that out. And we're available on most uh, podcast devices. You can subscribe to Russellomics on YouTube if you haven't already. Uh, I will probably be doing another... I think I have committed to this. So it's not, it's not probably. I will be doing another live stream Thursday afternoon after the Dynamite number comes out. I choose Thursday afternoon because that's what that's the number that people seem to have the most interest in. And there's the most engagement and response for. So Thursday afternoon I'll be doing another... Uh, I guess it's early evening. I'll be doing another live stream. Um, I did it at 6 last week. I'm thinking about doing it earlier. We'll see, though. Uh, so watch for that link to be shared, or if you subscribe to the YouTube channel for WrestleOnics, you should you should see the uh, the video when I when I create the uh, the scheduled stream. Um, trying to build up the the WrestleOnics YouTube, so we appreciate it if you subscribe and, and go in and uh, manipulate the algorithm and like a lot of our videos. Um, you can go to Patreon.com/WrestleOnics and subscribe to the WrestleOnics Patreon and get updates just about every weekday for wrestling TV ratings in the deepest depth that anybody will, will talk about wrestling TV ratings across all of the demos. I know Chris Golo eats those up every evening. He just he reads those from, from back to front. Uh, and you get access to the massive spreadsheet, the WrestleNomics viewership spreadsheet, which, which, is, which is huge and it has over 15,000 data points. It's the data set that I use to keep up to date with what's happening in wrestling viewership. And... Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at WrestleNomics, and at Brandon Thurston. I'm Brandon Thurston. I'm Chris Gullo. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.